Hey, I wanna welcome you. Uh, if this is your first time checking out Elevate Church, my name is Colby, I'm the pastor here. And you picked a great weekend to join us because we're kicking off one of my favorite series and that is a series on relationships. We're calling it Relationship Goals and I'm gonna tell you why in just a little bit. But you should know that we are so committed and dedicated to strengthening your relationships that a couple things are gonna happen during this series. One is that on Saturday, I'm not quite sure of the date, they're gonna have to help me, March 2nd, we're having a Saturday date night, which means for couples, you can just come, drop off your little ones, we'll watch them for free, and you go out and hang out together, all right? So that's on March 2nd. I do believe that you need to register for that, so get online and do that. But I'm super excited that the last weekend of the series on March 9th and 10th, we're having Shanti Feldhahn. She's gonna be here live. And Shanti is the author of, of a lot of books. One is called Happily, uh, Happy, Highly Happy Marriages. I'm gonna get that right. And then there's also, uh, she's the author of Four Women Only, Four Men Only. She's sold you know, millions of copies of those books. She's gonna be here live on March 9th and 10th doing kind of a live question and answer interview thing. And then on the 10th, she's gonna do a seminar for couples. Now you're gonna wanna register for this. You're gonna wanna make sure that you go online and do it early because it's gonna be open to everyone and space is limited. Uh, I believe registration is like 10 bucks per person. And if that's too much for you, please don't make that an issue. We will take care of it if it is, but you're gonna wanna make sure that you are here. She's gonna do two 45-minute seminars. We're gonna kinda hang out, get some dessert together. It's just gonna be a great night investing in your relationships. I wanna kick this series off uh, with this right here. If you wanna jot this down, the quality of your life is connected to the condition of your relationships. How many of you know that's true? That the quality of your life, the, 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 the quality of your experience, your existence is directly tied to how you are doing relationally, is directly tied to the people you are in relationship with. Now, I'm not talking just about romantic relationships, although this series is gonna be, by and large, about that, but I'm talking about all your relationships. Relationships can, can bring you joy and peace and happiness, but come on, somebody, they can also bring you all kinds of craziness, right? Let's be honest. They have the ability to bring you uh, comfort, but they also uh, can make you, or they can, they can break you, they can fill you, they can build you up, but our, our, our existence, our quality of life is directly tied to our relationships. And so over the next four weeks, we're gonna look at uh, some goals, how we can begin to tackle some of our own relationship goals. And I think a big part of this dynamic uh, with our relationships is that there often is a gap between what the expectation is in our relationship and what we actually experience what we expect, and then the actual reality of it. Uh, when Kristen and I first got married, her expectations for being a newlyweds was that she would not come home from our wedding, from our honeymoon, to an apartment with, sink, with dishes already in the sink on day one, and a dog pee-stained mattress. That was her expectation, that that wouldn't happen. I'm not thinking, what are you, am I the Ritz-Carlton? You know what's going on here, right? Actually, that's a very realistic expectation that she had. It was a dog pee stain mattress. That's, we'll talk about that later. But we enter into our relationships with expectations, and then there's reality. Come on, ladies. Like, how many of you, you know, you dreamed of what your wedding day would look like, even as a little girl? 
You dreamed of living in a perfect house, you know, white house, little picket fence or whatever it was. How many of you named your kids before you had kids? Come on. A few of you, right? Because you dreamed, you had these expectations of what it was going to be. Guys, you're the same way. Like before you got married, you, you had dreams of what that marriage was going to look like. You thought you were going to have sex twice a day and three times on Sunday. <laughs> and let's be real. How many of you are still dreaming? Yeah, that that's going to happen. So we enter into it with expectations, but then our reality, and if, if those two don't match up, then there can be tremendous letdown inside of the relationship. And the truth is, this is in all relationships. Again, I'm, I'm focusing on, on marriage and dating, those kinds of relationships, but this happens with family members. This can happen with, with you know, kids and, and parents. We often have expectations, and then we actually have our reality. And one of the ways we find this gap is in the hashtag relationship goals. Those of you that are online uh, or on social media, you'll, you'll see this hashtag happen, um, you know, kind of every now and then as people talk about what their relationship goals are, what they want their relationships to look like. If you haven't seen it, I want to bring some clarity to it. Here's a, a few of these I found online. Uh, relationship goals says, I think we can all agree this is goals. You have the executive producer, producer. The original, the remix, the mixtape, the encore, then they finally get the girl, mic drop, right? And they hashtag relationship goals. These are our goals, or how about this one right here? Get you someone who looks at you the way this little boy looks at his potatoes. Relationship goals, or, or one more, I love this couple right here. If this isn't relationship goals, nothing is. Elderly couple visit 644 out of 645 Cracker Barrels. <laughs> Hashtag relationship goals. That's what I'm talking about. Crispy Edge pancakes from Cracker Barrel. Love it. I'm going to go right after this. But we see that on social media, this hashtag relationship goals, and we all think, well, there's the expectation that that's what it should look like, but when our reality doesn't match up with our expectation, there is this gap in the relationship. And my hunch is, if you're like me or like most of us that are in this room today, you've probably been frustrated at some of the relationships that you have in your life. And you discover that a lot of the drama and the conflict and the tension in that relationship is connected to the fact that what you're experiencing in that relationship is not quite what you Expected, And so maybe the quality of your life isn't so great because the quality of your life is directly connected to the condition of your relationships. And again, this is a lot broader than marriage because the greatest command that we are given is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? And then to love one another, right, as, uh, uh, as your neighbor, and so the way we relate to God and the way we relate to people really defines the greatest commandment that God gives us for our lives, that we should love one another. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how we can do that and how we can move forward in our relationships with a different goal every single week. Uh, this week, I want to talk about from the idea of building patios, not walls, building patios instead of of walls In our relationships, we're either building one or the other. We have some uh, patio building behaviors that we can do, or we have some wall building behaviors that we can do. Uh, you're like, what, what does that mean? For example, uh, a wall in its most simplest, uh, most simplest, uh, maybe that's right, I don't know. 
uh, form is something that divides us from one another. It's something that, that divides something, right? That's what walls are meant to do. Walls create division from one side to the other. And there are some, some famous walls in history. You have the, the Great Wall of China. Uh, you have uh, the Berlin Wall when that came down. Some of you remember that. You have, oh, Trump's got himself a wall. We're not even gonna talk about that. Um, probably the most famous wall of all, though, is the wall that Humpty Dumpty sat on. Come on. But walls are either being built brick by brick in our relationships, dividing us from one, one another. And it could be intentionally or even unintentionally that we're building this division between the two. Patios, on the other hand, are better. Patios are a place where we connect. Platy, patios are a place where we can come together. Patios are a place for uh, building relationships and friendships, hanging out, kind of just chilling out. In fact, you can have parties on patios, but you can't have parties up on a wall. And so there's the idea that we need to build patios in our relationship, places that we can come together and connect rather than forming walls, forming division, isolating ourselves from one another. In fact, here's the first goal of this series. If you want to jot it down, togetherness breaks down walls and builds patios. This idea of, of being together, together in your marriage, together in your, your family, in your relationships, your dating relationships. Togetherness is what forms this uh, sense of security and connection. Togetherness is really the patio that gives a platform for your relationship to grow and to thrive and for you to come together. Friendship in your relationship truly is foundational. So togetherness breaks down walls and builds patios. I want us to look at the Song of Solomon in your Bible. If you brought your Bible, uh, if you didn't, it's gonna be up here on the screen behind me. Maybe in your version, it is called the Song of Songs. They are one and the same. But this is an Old Testament song that extols kind of the virtues of love. And it's written by King Solomon, who was the third king of the nation of Israel. Uh, if you've read the story, uh, quickly, just as a high level, it's about a guy who falls in love with a servant girl and um, she's got some mean brothers. She also has this entourage of ladies, this choir that kind of follows her around, gives her some advice, but he falls in love with her. They get married. They go off on this journey. It's all this flowery kind of poetic language, uh, but it's really cool to watch this couple go from these stages of pursuing each other to um, coming together, to fighting. There's some fighting going on in it, to making up. There's actually a lot of making up that's in this book. It's a little hot and heavy. Um, but this is what it says, starting in verse nine in the second chapter. It says, my lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag, which by the way, ladies, all guys like to be called a stag. You're my stag. You should, you should try that. Look, there he is behind the wall. So he's on the other side of this wall. He's on the other side of this, this division that's created between the two, looking through the window, peering into the room. And in verse 10, we start to see this phrase over and over. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling, and come away with me. Like, let's go. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's be together, my fair one. Look, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. The cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are for, I don't think that's how turtle doves sound, forming young fruits. And the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Then he says it again. 
rise up. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's come away with one another. Let's be together, my fair one. Again and again, throughout the, the Song of Solomon, we see this couple over and over pulling away from the busyness, from all the noise, from all the distraction to make time to be together, to make time to be on the patio, to make time to hang out because they understand that friendship really is foundational to the relationship. Friendship is, is key. And so he says, let's go, let's, let's get out of here. And if you want your, your marriage to thrive, you want your relationship to, to thrive, to be the best that it can be, it has to take, it's going to take time and time together. In fact, write that down. That's the first principle. That's the first uh, patio building behavior. Make time to be together. Just to be together. Just to hang out. If you can think back to your first date, or I, I don't know, uh, maybe your worst uh, first date ever experience. Um, Jimmy Fallon, I think, had people tweet in some of their worst first date experiences. Um, maybe this is your first date. You came to church together on your first date. If so, that's awesome. The last people that I knew that had their first date at church got married, and then I hired them. All right, so that, that could happen. I'm not saying it will, but that could happen. But Jimmy Fallon had people kind of tweet in their worst first date experiences. Look at this first one. He says, halfway through the dinner, he said, not gonna lie, I thought you were your sister. <laughs> Ouch, right? That's rough. That's rough. Or how about, how about this one? Halfway through the meal, he pulled out a small screwdriver and started cleaning his ears with it. <laughs> Hashtag worst first date ever. A screwdriver, really, guys? A key, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that either. That's, that's super weird. Or, or one more. At the end of the night, he leaned in for a kiss, whispering, don't be scared if my tooth falls out. <laughs> Hashtag worst first date ever. Hashtag we live in Kentucky, probably, right? <laughs> just saying. You know, when you first start dating and things are new and things are fun, there's something that you can do really well together. You know what it is? It's talk. You just talk. You just kind of talk and talk and talk. When Kristen and I were first um, dating, man, we talked all the time. In fact, I was at college and, and she was home and, and going to school somewhere else. And we ran up huge phone bills. This is before cell phones. This is before unlimited long distance plans. Uh, ran up huge phone bills just talking for hours. I mean, we, we'd be in bed talking to one another over the phone. And you know how, how people do like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You know, I just, I just want to, I want to go to sleep. I want to hear you breathing on the phone, <laughs> which is really creepy, right? And out of context, it's actually really creepy anyway, no matter how you look at that. But we ran up huge phone bills. Why? Because in the season of your relationship where things are new and you first start dating, that's what you do. You can just talk for hours and hours and hours. In fact, I would, I would drive hours just to go visit her. I'd drive six hours one way to spend two hours or three hours with her and drive back home. But that's what you do. When you are in love and things are new, you talk. When, when people are in love, you hang out and you spend time together. And I know you'd say, Colby, this is the most basic thing ever. It is. It is basic. But what happens in the busyness of life, we start to lose this. We start to build, build walls between us. We, we start to allow time schedules and time restraints. In fact, I'll say this. Uh, our schedules are the first kind of uh, bricks 
that are built into a wall that divides us. And we, our lives become more about um, coordinating with each other than they become about connecting with one another. In fact, a, a lot of times what, what used to be uh, kind of this, this new kind of fresh thing, right? We start to just kind of coordinate and we, we put bricks into our relationship where maybe you're just dating someone for the first time and you don't even have time to spend together. And so that's just a brick that goes in the wall that's dividing you. Maybe you've been married for a long time. And now it's like we have, we have kids to take to this practice and kids to take to that practice and go this place and that place. And many times as a family, you just feel like an Uber driver for the family, right? And that's just building up a wall in the relationship, or maybe it's even in a parenting relationship with your, with your kids. I know for me, I, my, my oldest son is 13. And even today, I mean, it's, it's hard. He's going this place and that place and this schedule, this practice, that schedule, this after-school activity, and I don't even see him as much as I used to, but those are all just, and that's fine. That's the way that it should be. That's kind of the pace of life that we live in, but it seems like um, the more time that goes by, the less time that we spend together because we're, we're just kind of, you know, doing different things and they're busy all the time. I would say this, if you're in a relationship that's hurting or that's struggling or there's distance or you feel things are broken, it's a marriage or a dating relationship, whatever it is, I think sometimes we focus on trying to fix the problem rather than just focus on first being together, just hanging out just spending time on the patio with one another, just kind of remembering the friendship that, that exists. A guy named Mike Foster, who is, uh, who's kind of a, in charge of this organization called The People of the Second Chance. He's written several books. One book is about dating and relationships. Another book is about kind of finding freedom in your life. But he said in this, this one book that he wrote on marriage and dating, he said the worst fight that he's ever been in in 20 years of marriage was on a marriage retreat. He said, because this is what happened. He goes to the marriage retreat, and everyone at the marriage retreat is like, your, your marriage should look like this. It should be like this. And they're thinking, it's nothing like that. It doesn't look anything like that. And you go to the seminars, you're like, well, you should be more like this. And, and, and guys, you need to be more like Jack on This Is Us. And, and ladies, you need to be more like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get in trouble. But th that's what they do. And then he says, you hear all that, and you go back to your room at night. And then it's like, it's on. It's like, why don't you do this? Or why can't you be more like his wife? Or why can't you be more like, you know, her husband? And, you know, why don't you rub my feet, you know, every single day? And he's like, it just backfires. It just blew up. The worst fight he'd ever been in was at a marriage retreat. And I think sometimes the most powerful thing that we can do is just to hang out together. Don't focus so much on just fixing what's wrong, fixing the problem, but focus on being together. So I challenge you, husband, wife, a dating relationship, maybe it's a parent to a child. Uh, this week, just focus on taking time to be together. And I would say if you, if you can think back to when things were great in the relationship, think back to the things that actually made them great, but maybe they're not so great anymore. If you will simply go back and do the things that you used to do then, you will start to feel the same way that you used to feel then. You start to begin to remember that relationship. Remember back in the day when you hung out all the time. Back in the day when you couldn't get enough of each other. Back in the day when you talked over and over and over. If we would start doing those things again, we will start feeling that way again. Those are patio building behaviors. Make time together. Here's the second one. 
and that is keep the curiosity. Jot that down. A great way to make sure you're not building walls in your relationship and you're building patios is to keep the curiosity with one another. Um, this is what Solomon says if you continue on in that, in that story in verse 14. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. He says, I wanna see you. I, I wanna hear you. I wanna be with you. I, I miss you know, hanging out with you. I miss hearing you. I don't know exactly what's going on in this story, but he's saying, look, something's happened and my dove, she's hiding. She's not showing me who she is anymore. And I wanna get back to that place where I can see you and hear you. It's a place where they can connect and be together. When I think about this and I think about what happens in our life and what happens in my life, probably the same goes for you as well. But we move from having this, this curiosity with one another to more of a commonality with each other. Uh, like I said before, it, we, we move from, from being connected and, and wanting to connect with each other to more of our lives are just now about coordinating with each other. In fact, if you will look back over your last 10 text messages with your spouse, with the person that you're in love with, with your significant, you know, other, like I promise you they're more about coordinating than they are about connecting. I did that this week. I'm gonna do it right now. My wife's freaking out. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I'm just being real. I'm going to tell you how it is uh, for us. This was just, just last night. Um, here we go. The last, last 10 or so. Uh, are the boys going to want to go to the peak tonight? Every Friday night we go to the peak. I take the older boys. Kristen said, no idea. Are we planning on eating together later when you guys get home? We will bring home pizza or whatever. We are on our way home. The boys want Subway. Can you text me your order, please? I'm thinking, dot, 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 six-inch wheat, tuna, pepper jack, lettuce, green peppers, cucumbers, Italian dressing, not toasted. Me, if you have time, can you please make the brownies for the boys? We are at Subway now. Yep. If you are at a gas station, can you grab milk too? Yep. Drinks, question mark. I have two peppers. We have two peppers. Everybody's like, what's peppers? Those are Dr. Peppers. Or in my house... We called Diet Dr. Peppers, Peppers. You, sh you should just know that. <laughs> but we look at our text messaging, right? That's just coordinating. That's not so much connecting with one another. That's just kind of coordinating, making sure things happen. Uh, I love what somebody said. They tweeted this. They said, um, marriage is texting each other. Do we need anything from the grocery store a bunch of times until one of you dies? <laughs> it feels that way, Right? And if you don't believe me, just check. Like you go back over your text messages and you will see. We have to keep the curiosity. We have to make it more about like, like just coordinating, uh, less about coordinating, more about connecting with one another. All right, Colby, how do we do that? How do we keep the curiosity? Uh, it happens in the way that we communicate. Experts talk about our communication on four different levels. If you wanna jot these down, the first is we just share facts. That's kind of what we normally do. Here's what the weather's like. Uh, we'll ask questions, what did you do today at work? And we'll just kind of give a list of, of the facts. We just keep it to the facts. What's the, what's the worst football team in the history of the world? The Browns. We just keep it to the facts, right? Just the facts. Not just facts only. And then the next level after that is opinions. 
Or we start to share our opinions with one another, like, like how we you know, view things, and we all love to do that. And then a deeper level beyond that is our feelings. We'll share feelings. Not just what did you do today, but maybe how you felt during your day, how things you know, happened and, and how that make you feel. And then at the, the deepest level, people say, are your dreams. You get to that place where you're sharing your dreams with one another, your hopes with one another, your hopes for the future, your desires. And so one of the things I love in this, this song of, of Solomon is you see in this romantic relationship, this desire to know each other, a desire to know and to fully be known, a curiosity in the relationship that, that remains. And it made me start thinking when it comes to the people that you say you love in your life, like do you really know what they're feeling? Do you really know what their dreams are? Do you really know what their, their hopes are for, for the future? Do you know the, the deeper things that are going on in their life and in their heart? Or could it be that the race and the pace of life has, has, has allowed us to stop being curious about one another? And now we take each other for granted and it's more like, well, they're there. They'll always be there. And that's just the way kind of things are. Never any different togetherness is fostered by this curiosity that remains. So keep curious, keep curious. Staying curious are, are bricks that help to build a patio, but when we lose that, we begin to build walls in the relationship. So I'd say this, it just might be time for you to have those conversations again with one another about how people are feeling and doing and what their dreams are, but here's my warning, how you have that conversation with each other matters. Because I don't know if you realize this, but men and women communicate very differently, all right? Men uh, tend to communicate with each other side by side, side by side, just kind of hanging out, you know, together, spending time together. Women, on the other hand, tend to communicate more uh, face to face. If I want to communicate with my 13-year-old son, Wade, um, if I ever sat him down and said, hey, Wade, we need to have a deep talk today, he would roll his eyes. He would think I was crazy. He would listen for a moment, right, and then say, Dad, are we done with the deep talk, right? Because we don't do that. But we can't tend to communicate more side by side. Ladies, this is for you. This is huge. This is why men will say, hey, let's go golfing together. Let's go hunting together. Let's go fishing together. Because in those moments, we're just hanging out side by side, not really having a conversation. And if we are having a conversation in those moments, it doesn't feel like a talk, all right? You should know that because we don't do that as guys. We just want to hang out. And great conversation happens in the context of just hanging out side by side, relating with one another. I told you that on Friday nights, I take my boys up to the peak and we, we head up there and go snowboarding every Friday. And I have a, a nine-year-old today, my, my, my third born park, turns nine today, actually. So if you see him, uh, smack him or whatever. I don't know. We have Park and Jake and Wade that I'll take to the peak and we'll go snowboarding. And if you've ever gone there, you know you spend way more time on the lift than you actually do on the hill. That's just the way it is. But it's a great opportunity to ask your, your, your kids, you know, questions. So I'll say, hey, so tell me what's really going on at school, Park. You know, who are your friends anymore? Tell me about the girls. You got some girls messing with you, right? And so we'll have sometimes, not every time, but we'll have some really meaningful conversations and he'll start to share with me who his friends are, start to share with me what he's feeling, start to share with me even about girls and I'll just like look straight ahead pretending not to like, he's actually talking. 
And I'll be like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, man, I feel you, dog. That's cool. <laughs> Girls, <laughs> right? But we relate that way side by side. Kristen and I, this is what we do on Mondays. This is our day off. And her mom watches our littlest one while the others are at school. We'll go to the gym. We'll work out. In the summer, we'll, we'll go outside, press Kyle, maybe play some, some tennis. Um, but we just relate side by side. Now, women are different. They want to connect and communicate face-to-face. They want to get all up in your grill. And they want to know what's on your heart. They want to know what's going on in your, your life. They want to know what makes you mad or what makes you sad, or, or, or how's your soul, right? They wanna get close enough to feel your heartbeat and smell what you have for breakfast on your breath. That's how they relate, more face-to-face. And Kristen needs that. Like, I, I like the, just the hangout time, but she needs me to ask, how are things going? She needs me to be concerned with what's happening in her life, how her, her day was to ask her, her questions about it, to have her be able to just kind of tell me everything that's going on, and then... Guys, when they start sharing their things with you and their problems with you, um, she needs for you to try and not to fix the issue. Because guys, we're terrible at this. Anytime my wife shares a, a situation with me, a problem with me, I feel like it's my job to fix it. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be talking about it. If you didn't need me to fix it, we wouldn't be talking about it, no. Like that's how guys relate, but not women. If she's going on saying, hey, you know, um, I, I'm... I have this problem or I need that or what's, what's going on. I'm thinking in my head, well, did you try this? Didn't you just do this or why didn't you do this? Nope. I have to shut my mouth and learn the art of active listening because that's what happens. It's more of a face-to-face communication. In that moment, she feels closer. In that moment, in side-by-side communication, guys, we feel, feel closer together. And it's a way that we keep the curiosity. Here's the last one I want you to jot down. And that is we need to attack the problems and not each other. Attack problems. When we attack each other, I'm telling you what, nothing builds walls in the relationship like when we attack each other. But instead of attacking one another, we need to focus on attacking the problem first. Um, Just to be open and honest, uh, Krista and I, we, we have our arguments uh, and by the way, I'm not a, a yeller. We don't yell in our house. You know, you have stewers and you have spewers, right? Uh, I'm, I'm a stewer. Kristen could be a stewer sometimes. It's just what it is. But a couple of weeks ago, whenever we get ready to do a relationship kind of series, um, God gives me the opportunity to like live it out, all right? So just throw this out there. A couple of weeks ago, um, on the way home from a soccer game, Kristen says, hey, can you look at my wrist? because she's had trouble with it for a while and it had been hurting her. Uh, and I'd looked at it before and I couldn't see anything. And she's like, man, are you really, I, my wrist really hurts. Will you look at it? And I said, no, I will not look at your wrist. Bad move, by the way. And what that did in that moment was communicating to her that I didn't care and that I was insensitive. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know anything about the wrist. Like, I'll take you to a doctor. You know, I'll get somebody that actually knows what's going on to look at it, but that's, but that's not what that was communicated to her. And so she got mad. And because she got mad, I got mad. And so on the way home, I went into the, the Cold War mode. Anybody know what the Cold War is? All right. Where it's just silence. So I'm in Cold War mode. She's in Cold War mode. And we just drive home in silence, not saying a word to one another. We get home, like I get out, slam the door, because small signals are very important in the Cold War mode, right? <laughs> slam the door. Maybe, you know, go a little bit, 
blow a little bit, that kind of thing. And then you go inside, right? You're still in cold war mode. But what happens for me is I'll just start doing things. I'll do chores like at, at light speed. I'll clean the floor, vacuum, you know, just do whatever. I'll start dusting things I've never dusted before, you know, because that's what you do in the cold war. And honestly, for most of the day, we'd be up front. We didn't really talk to each other that much. Kind of steered clear of one another. And then that night, finally talked, and she shared with me how when I said that, it, was, it came across as insensitive and not caring. And I shared with her how I was sorry for being insensitive and not caring. Guys, you need to learn how to do that. But the way I look at it was, is a lot of times we hold on to offenses and we start to build walls between us. And instead of attacking the issue, together we'll attack one another. And honestly, you know, something that could have been resolved, it took 10 hours later or whatever for us to figure it out. Uh, the way I look at it, we just kind of lost a day because we wanted to, to focus on, on, on fixing blame instead of fixing the issue. And what happens in the relationship when you do that and you have a wall Many times you'll attack that problem from, from one side of the wall or the other. I'm on one side, she's on the other side, and we're, we're attacking it, but from the patio, we're attacking it from the same side. From the patio that we've built together, from the patio that we're, we have a team together, we look at that issue, and it's not that we're attacking one another, we're attacking the problem. We're, we're going after it from the same side. Instead of attacking the person, you need to attack the problem. The problem. Um, this is what uh, verse 15 says, if we keep reading. Catch all the foxes. Those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevines, are blossoming before it happens, before they ruin the vineyard, before that, 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 that takes place. You need to catch those little problems. You need to catch those little issues. You need to attack that problem together. Foxes would love to go into vineyards. In fact, they would smell the grapes uh, as they were getting ready to, to blossom from like miles away. And little foxes would go in there and they'd start to eat the little buds before it even became a fruit. And so what he's saying, hey, like before this blows up into a big thing, before this issue becomes a big giant wall that's between us, we need to catch it. Catch those little foxes before they destroy the vineyard of the relationship. Catch those little issues before they become big giant issues. And so the challenge in our life is to first establish this togetherness. And then out of that togetherness comes the security and the ability really to move forward in the relationship. And honestly, when it comes to all of this, Jesus is our model. In 1 John 3:16, he said, "We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we too should give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. In fact, if I could boil it down, it just boils down to this. The, the, the sacrificial love of Jesus is, is what motivates us to attack the problems and not one another. It's that sacrificial love of Jesus that, that really inspires us, right, to, to make time to be together because we know how foundational it is to the relationship. It's that sacrificial love of Jesus that allows us to, to keep the curiosity with one another and make our lives less about just coordinating and more about really connecting on a deeper level. It's the sacrificial love of Jesus. And when we understand all that he's done for us, it makes it that much easier 
for us to in turn treat one another that way, to give our lives up for each other. You've heard this. Uh, Time and time again, the Bible says that kind of relates Jesus to being our, our cornerstone. We sing that song sometimes, Christ alone, our cornerstone. You know what cornerstone is? Cornerstone is the, the first stone that's laid in the foundation. It's the reference point in the foundation that everything else is built around. And if that's not right, then nothing else works. That he must be the cornerstone of the relationship, the cornerstone of the, the friendship, the, the family, in order for everything else to work, in order for everything else to line up, I would say he needs to be the cornerstone of the patio that you're building in your marriage and in your relationships. One of the greatest stories um, that's come out of this church, uh, probably is about four years ago, there was a couple walking through a really difficult season, and this might be you here today. They're walking through a really difficult season in their marriage, in fact, to the point where they split up. And we had a conversation, I encouraged them, hey, maybe you guys need to separate for a season and kind of just kind of date one another and, and see if, you know, what, what happens. And a lot of times we'll do that. We'll say, why don't you just separate and kind of date from a distance? And so that's what they did. And she was talking about how they went out. And by the way, today it's, it's restored, they're together, it's, it's awesome. We said they would go out and one of the first dates that they went on together, you know, after this season of separation, um, the ending was awkward because they had really good conversation. They spent time together. They were building that foundation of friendship once again and they hung out together. And she's like, but then came the end of the night and it's kind of like, what do you do? Because we were married, we're, we still are married. And you know, we used to just go home together and you know, whatever. But in that moment, do I shake hands? Do we hug? Do we kiss? So it's like this awkward kind of moment. And she said, uh, my husband did something that he's never done before. That he took my hands and he said, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's make sure that Jesus really is that cornerstone in the relationship. Let's make sure that everything that we have moving forward is built on that. Let's make sure that he is the, the reference point. So everything else is squared. Everything else is straight and measures up. And here's what I want you to know. If, if you're in that place today and you're struggling, I promise you, if you allow the, the sacrificial love of God really to define the relationship and how you move forward, if you build your life upon that foundation, that it's gonna grow. It's gonna thrive. It's gonna be an incredible relationship as long as we get these principles in place and make time for one another this week. Make time for each other. Keep the curiosity. Attack the problem, not one another. And understand the thing that motivates us to do all this is the love that Jesus has for us. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. In this moment, let's, let's just allow God to work in our heart. Have we done that? Have we made time for one another? Has our life become more about coordinating? about connecting on a deeper level. Do I know my spouse's dreams? Do I know her feelings, his feelings? Do I know their deepest desires? Or we just become used to this casual relationship where we've forgotten about that. Maybe if we would just go back and do the things 
that we used to do will start to feel the way we used to feel. Maybe we've been attacking one another and not the problem at all because we've been on two different sides of a wall. And today God is telling you, hey, we need to build this patio that we can come together and then we can look at this issue the right way as a team, united against it. Or maybe as we're praying today, I don't think it's any um, coincidence that God talks about the relationship with us as a marriage. That Jesus is the, the, uh, the groom. He's preparing us to have this relationship with him. The church is the bride. But maybe today you'd say, I don't have a relationship with, with God at all. And this could be why you're here, in fact. In fact, this could be the most important thing that you've ever heard is that God so loved you that he gave his life for you, that he sent his son to die for you because he did not want to do this without you. He wanted to have this relationship. He wanted to make sure that all of your relationships grow off of the relationship that you first have with him, that he really is the cornerstone, that everything uh, works around, that everything works because of. And the reason why maybe things are out of order in your life is because you don't have God in your life that Jesus isn't at the center of it. And today, maybe he's drawing you to this moment just to hear how much he loves you and cares for you. And that he sent his son to die for our sins, to be with us in eternity, but also to save us from, from uh, hurting ourselves, from, from our sin that we have. And so maybe that's why you're here. And the way we enter into that relationship, the way we put Jesus at the center, the cornerstone of our life is through prayer. And so I wanna lead you in a prayer that just does that. The prayer is the way that we confess our sins, that we believe that God sent Jesus to die for us. And the Bible says that we will be saved. And I'm gonna lead you in that prayer right now. In fact, if you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying it right along with you. Would you be bold? No one looking around, just throw up your hand wherever you are in this room right now. Just raise it up high. Just saying, God, here I am. That's awesome. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Here I am, God. I'm gonna surrender my life to you. You can put them down. Just say something like this in your heart. Jesus, today, I surrender it all. I need you to be the cornerstone of my life that everything else is built upon. That I need you to forgive my sins. And I believe that your sacrifice on the cross did just that. And that the moment I confess you as Lord... And just do it right now. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. I know that I'll be raised to a new life. So I repent and I follow you. And I seek, God, uh, that your Holy Spirit would live inside of me from this moment on, creating me a, a new heart. Give me a fresh start in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Celebrate with those this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.